to Sin City with Nick Menezes and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. Welcome to Sin City with Dane and Nick. We have a very special guest today. Huh. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. By the name of Camila Pereira Suarez. Good to have you, Camila. You're our first guest from South America. Yes, <laughs> South America. Well, you you are kind of Argentine from Argentina. Good point. Yeah, it counts too as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, how you been, Camila? Like, what you been up to lately? Good, good. Um, not too much. Marco. <laughs> Hola. Oh, hello, Marco. Hey, Camila, what what did you focus on? Was it more like your favorites of all time, or were you kind of like, were you thinking about like how 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 far back does some of your favorites in the international cinema um, realm kind of go back? Like, I kind of said. Depending on what I have seen a long time ago and movies I saw in class. Uh, yeah, just like, I don't know. Depends all the time you're watching movies and you get like, oh, I like this one and it's from our country. You know, you know too much. And, Marco has left the call, but uh, oh. hopefully he'll be back in a little bit. But that was a great opening to the show. That's all I can say. <laughs> but, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You go ahead, Nick. Uh, oh, no, just, just saying that, um, yeah, that's a very unique, a unique way of starting the show, like something different. I bet that is an opening I bet BF would be very proud of. <laughs> oh man that will be classic that whole experience but um, yes. I don't want to interrupt Camila oh, sorry. Camila, you were saying like <laughs> um, so it's everything you've seen so in class obviously like for me it was hard to like to what, what is considered international because for example I, I didn't include Canadian films because to me it's like Canadian films are not international for me, for, for me and Nick, because yeah. it's, it's from our country. But it's also, in the American sense, they think of Canadian films as international. So you get, like, Xavier Dolan's films, which you introduced me to, Camila, like, and he's now one of my favorite directors. Um, he gets labeled as an international film director. But that's coming from an American perspective. So for me... We have to come from where we're coming from, from our countries, right? So I didn't include any Canadian films because they're national films for us. That was hard. That was hard to figure out. And then also 
the United States yeah. technically for us as Canadians could be international, but I didn't include them because I thought focus on every other country other than Canada, the United States for, for, for me, yeah. for my list. But how did, how did you go about it, Camila? Did you include any of your Colombian films in your list? Mm, no, not really, because, well, I like uh, some movies Colombian, but I'm not, it's not my favorite. So it was like, yeah, not, I didn't include, but I think uh, I select ones that maybe doesn't have like Hollywood production like, or for example, not, for example, Call Me By Your Name is, mm-hmm. uh, I think the director is the whole crew was uh, from United States and was filmed in Italy. So it's like, no, it's not really international for a, for him, for how you say, in that category in the Oscars. Um, yeah. For in here, movie? Yeah. Like yeah, a- so I selected, yeah, so I selected kind of that was in hands uh, from United States. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. for example, Guillermo del Toro is Mexican, but still some productions are from Hollywood, so no, no. Exactly. I selected the just film it and the director and everything international. Yeah. That but makes yeah, sense. I didn't put in my country. No. <laughs> but that makes sense because, um, yeah, like Call Me By Your Name is co produced uh, American, Italian, French, Brazilian, I think, also, too. There's a really like uh, international film, lots of people from every yeah. kind of, all, all four or five of those countries mentioned. So it's hard to describe, it's hard to like define it is it american is it more italian is it more european is it more just like multinational but it's not really like i guess easy to define so that was uh, also a challenge for me so I, I focus more on like films that are really like representative of like a country that's part of their culture right really yeah. part of a specific culture and i mean i love co-productions between countries that's so cool but um, mm. once it kind of becomes Hollywood mixed with international, it's hard to it's hard to say if it's, is it Hollywood is it international. So I lean more towards just international films for this one. Because um, yeah. yeah. um, it's like indie films and it's still not uh, you know international. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Mm. And um, Dane, since you mentioned uh, about multinational films, like for one thing, a film that just came to my mind, like Life of Pi, because that film is most mostly be take take place in India with a mostly Indian cast and a non-American director, uh, Ang Lee. So, would that count as an international film? Would you say, guys? Hmm, that's another hard question. Let's see. Judging by what I'm reading here, Life of Pi, so it gets categorized as 
the United States, United Kingdom, Canadian, Australian, Taiwanese production. Wow. <laughs> so there's like five involved. Wow. So that's another one that's hard. Is it international? I guess it's a Hollywood film. So you could technically probably categorize it as international, but it's it's kind of up to you to kind of say like which is really what would you what would you include like if you want to go foreign language film so a language that's not your own first that's another way to look at it right like so i'm gonna pick a film films that aren't in english um and for example maybe camila for you it would be films not in spanish maybe right or not in spanish not in english maybe i don't know mm-hmm. or maybe from spain or maybe from a country not colombia right that speaks spanish so it's it's a complicated topic, but it's it's fun. <laughs> but there's no right or wrong answer. It's just like whatever you consider as international films for you, for your individual perspective, because we're all from different backgrounds, countries. So very good. Yes, and I have a question for the two of you actually. So, in ter- so since you both, since I know you you guys are really big, like huge fans of international films, to you, what is it that really stands out in for in international films apart from Hollywood films, aside from the different language, of course? Like, what is it that really sells you? Like, what really stands out? are a lot but i think for sure one icon was parasite because um, it's was it's kind of the the only one that in all the story won an oscar for best movie in the and of the other category so yeah it's the iconic movie mm-hmm. yeah 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 great director i love yeah. this it. it was amazing it sure was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, no, you go first, you go first. Oh, I was going to say, um, for me, I would say what attracts me to international movies is, is that it's something I've never, I'm not familiar with. So you see a new culture, you see new like stories, characters, and also you see the inside of a new culture. And it's like, it makes you see the similarities between your culture and their culture, but also some interesting differences and um yeah it's it's really fascinating because you you get kind of bored if you're always watching you know from your own country the films the tv it starts to feel kind of maybe like it's a little bit too close to your own reality so it's i guess a part of it is like a curiosity of of other people in the world like what their lives are like what their stories are like so it's like almost like a travel experience like you get to experience a new place and a new setting that you're not really from so it's a way to kind of feel like you're seeing the world i think that's what i see with international films 
very true, very strong stuff. In fact, as you mentioned, that's actually what really the selling point for me in all these international films. Like, I really like to learn some more, and this really helps me see the world in different in different perspectives. Like, not all of it is from just one main from one country or one production company. It's like you're seeing it in a more multi-dimensional way. And yeah, I, in a way, it's kind of like traveling, but virtually. Exactly. And you're getting a lot of stories told that aren't aren't always heard because, like Hollywood, Hollywood really is the most popular, the most um, powerful in the world. So you get a lot of the same stories, same stories, and some people their voices are not not focused on. So it's nice to to be able to get people that are maybe not in the 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 mainstream of like. The American eyes, Hollywood entertainment. So it's really nice to, to be able to hear these voices and have unique and and honest perspectives from, from their culture. And it just, it's wonderful. I think it's, I love, I love international films so much for that reason. It really breaks the, it breaks the sort of, um, I guess, it just, it just opens you up to so much that goes unnoticed or un talked or that doesn't isn't talked about i can't speak sorry <laughs> and um you mentioned to me yesterday that it was camila who introduced you to all these international films is that correct definitely a lot of them yeah like yeah. um she introduced me to colombian movies colombian cinema like um embrace of the serpent which one of my favorite films of the decade now. I put it number one, my number one international wow. film, the 2010s. So of 2010, 2019, the decade. Um, that, his name is uh, Ciro Guerra, Ciro Guerra? Yeah. yeah. He also did um, an, another film. Bahadur's Raiden. Yes. Birds. And that's another one I want to see. It's it has like critical acclaim, like it's like universally critics love it, and it's doing really well. I think like commercially too. So he really wow, that was incredible to see Colombian cinema while I was in Colombia with Camila and her classes, her her um, film classes at the Universidad Autonoma de Bucaramanga, UNAB, and I learned a lot about new films like we in her class sorry i should let you talk about this camila but you you focused on like latin american cinema when i was in your in your school for those weeks and focused on like colombia cinema there's brazilian movies we watched that were new to me um from mm -hmm. spain and so yeah i was introduced to a lot of new new films that that experience yeah. two years ago extraordinary wow impressive <laughs> Yeah, like Latin America, like about international films, but the one that really sells me the most would have to be the films in Latin America. Like, wow, they have so many, like such fascinating filmmakers that revolutionize the industry. And I, many of my, some of my favorite filmmakers are from Latin America, like Alfonso Cuaron, Guillermo del Toro, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez, Iñárritu, who's my favorite of them. And right now I'm starting to get invested 
interested in uh, the work of um, Pedro Almodovar. Uh, he's amazing. Like, Very nice. They're all amazing. Oh yeah, like I find all this really inspiring stuff, especially for someone like someone like me, like someone who's from a Latin American background and aspires to be a filmmaker, kind of like you too, Camila. <laughs> Oh, she's. I think she's still here. Her camera's just off. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, this, that's amazing to hear, man. I, I love all of those and all and like the three of those um, who you mentioned at the beginning. I know, like they're like the part of that. They call them like the trio, right? Like they're like from. I think both. Well, all three of them, I think, are from Mexico City, and they all grew up in the same area, maybe, or went to the same university. I think I believe yeah. there are two or three of them. They are really uh, Iñárritu, Cuarona, and Guillermo Arturo are super friends, closers. And Guillermo kind of had, he's a, he has an interesting story because he left, he was working with Hollywood, but in some point, uh, how do you say, like, he had a trouble with them because they wanted to, he want, he had an idea and they they were like, no, 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 don't do it like that or anything. And he kind of stopped it to make, uh, for some time, he stopped it. And then I think he had, uh, his dad was, uh, how, how do you say, like, somebody, uh, steal your dad, not a steal, but like take out of home and how you say? Oh, like kidnap? Kidnap. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was in Mexico and they were living there and he decided to, uh, well, they asked a lot of money and he paid it and then he moved to United States, I think. But in those times that Guillermo Toro wasn't working, he was working on uh, with uh, Iñárritu and Cuarón in their projects, like um, helping, just like in part of the script or whatever, but being in working with them and they really, really are like friends and Iñárritu and Cuarón supported a lot because he was kind of depressed because the whole situation. So yeah. It's great. It's great they are really like, you know, a friendship strong. You know? Yeah. And they kind of had like um, a few years in the 2010s where it was like, in a Ritu won the Oscar for best movie uh, or best film, Birdman, mm -hmm. and I think um, who was after that? I think well, and then in 2017, Guillermo del Toro won best picture, Shape of Water. So they really just kept winning so many awards. Those three, like the three of them, have just totally changed cinema. They're like iconic filmmakers and. It's really inspiring. They're all from the same university, I think. And wow, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. 
yeah. took the world by storm. That's right. I think that's also what makes international films, not just in Latin America, but in general, really stand, really like shape the film industry because they bring something new to the table. And that's why people keep coming back to the theater to see something new, something they haven't seen before and what unique. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the interesting thing of them that uh, they got into Hollywood and started to work with great um, American actors and everything. And it's a great example that uh, you can be from Latin America and maybe starting doing novellas and whatever. And then you can slowly go step by step and go higher. Yes, that's incredible. Now that you mentioned it, another uh, filmmaker from Latin America that I really want to start watching more of his films. I believe you're all familiar with Gaspar Noé. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. My yeah. favorite, my the one, one, number one international film is Love. Definitely, or Parasite, but Love is, <laughs> it's kind of like, sometimes you get tired in the movie because it's like a lot craziness, but then you kind of understand and you see like in some way, some point of the movie, you feel some reflecting of yourself in some relationship like something you get in the movie that you get in identified even if you didn't leave it that story like that yeah it's love is under it's really universal yeah i might give a look sometime this week for sure yeah um, also, um, before we uh, continue on today's topic, um, Camila, um, I, be- I believe you you wanted to become a filmmaker in the near future, right? Um, what were some what are some of your influences, like some directors who influenced you wanting to become a filmmaker? Uh, I think, well, I I I never imagined to get into films because I wanted to be fashion designer. Wow. But no, I don't. I don't want to. <laughs> so yeah, kind of. After my second year, I I really love it, Sofia Coppola. I always loved it before because she keeps um, fashion in some ways in her films and the taste she has. And I love women as as characters. And that is the reason why I love Pedro Almodóvar, because his movies are really about mothers, about daughters, about, you know, some story. He's a man for sure, but he can tell what he, no, nobody's, um, how you say, you can tell a story about being not a mother or daughter, you can feel it and feel that pain. And I love another thing about him that he puts uh, always transsexuals, homosexuals. Like I love Xavier Dolan. He's for me is one of the best Canadians. And Denis Bellanou. Uh, yes, that's right. 
Yeah, I love him too. Amazing. One of my yeah. favorite Canadian filmmakers too. Yeah. And see, that's another thing. I'm sorry. I'm... But, wait, 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 wait. I want to. Yeah, if you want to start to watch Almodovar, I would recommend you the skin. I. Uh, it's with Antonio Banderas. I don't know how to say okay. it in English. But La Piel Chiavito. Uh, it's really good. With... It's gonna live in, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I heard of that one. Heard that. I'll give it a look for sure. Mm -hmm. I want to see it so bad. Yeah, it's really like blows your mind. That is kind of different from the other uh, movies he has because that one is more kind of like. I, I won't tell a lot about the movie because it's like blows your mind. Because it's not, uh, for example, Antonio Anderas, his uh, father, and he has a daughter, and somebody raped his daughter and his doctor. So he keeps, uh, he starts kind of revenge. And it's really kind of science. No, I, I wouldn't say it's science fiction, but it's something like scientist, you know? Mm. And and he playing that revenge with that guy that uh, raped his daughter and changed the sexuality of the guy. But he forgot totally his origin, that he was a guy and they start to fall in love. It's really wow, it's crazy and it's amazing. Yeah. Definitely nice. recommend, but the others are amazing too. And I'm more um, can kind of like you will feel reflected in the movie in some way because you have a family, you have yeah, so you feel the pain of woman sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Look, I'm so old. I'm really old. And um, about Pedro Almodovar, like a few days ago, I I didn't get a chance to watch it fully, but I was gonna start. Have you guys seen a Pain and Glory, uh, Dolori Gloria? Yeah, it's really. Good. It's his personal. It's his story. Can it's like kind of biographical. But yeah, it's great. Really impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. And that's yeah. another thing that I also really admire about international films in general is that they tell really personal and relatable stories. Like they don't need all big budgets or these crazy special effects to be considered a masterpiece. It can just be on its own. Like some less is more. Minimalism, I think, is a huge factor in all these foreign films. I think. Yeah. I think, um, for example, I will say that Almodovar knows really well how to manage the drama and, I don't know, really tells stories that are not conventional and he knows how to how to use it, the characters and, and it's not the typical construction of characters that you will see the evil the main character and you know not the typical it's it's wow 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 okay. 
and the photography and the colors I love because it's always colorful and really knows how to use the palette really well. It's beautiful. Mm. Nice, nice. I need to see more of his films. He's from Spain, right? Yeah, he's from Spain. Mm -hmm. Wow, that sounds amazing. Some other people. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. You go first. You go first. Uh, some other directors I had in mind when doing this list were also, as you guys know, Alejandro Hadarowski, um, Chilean film director who made some of the most surreal and really just experimental films of his time and really changed cinema. Um, of course, Nicholas Wining Refn from Denmark. Um, he started off, of course, in Denmark, in the national industry, before jumping to Hollywood eventually with you know, Drive and all of his other films in the last 10 years. But there's just so many directors, it's like unbelievable. You have mm. to also talk about like Wong Kar Wai, Hong Kong. Wai. Yeah. yeah, amazing. There's just so many around the world that's just like overwhelming. Yes, definitely. You gotta watch mm. some of their work as well, too. And also, and it's also this quarantine, I've really been watching some of these international films. Like Dane, really, he introduced me to all, to many of them. Like I was surprised. Like so many of these films, I have never even seen or heard of, or even knew they existed. But I was like, wow, just wow, just the yes. feels. <laughs> I will recommend. I need to check where it's from, but The Hunt is really good movie. Is this actor that he appears sometimes in music videos? I will search, and I don't know really his name because it's, it's I never memorize. <laughs> but basically, the movie I will search. Wait. No problem. Uh, I think I might know who you're talking about, but I'm... That is, uh, it's a teacher, but he, he works in some school uh, for, and, I don't know, young kids, kids. Uh, some girl starts to say that he raped her and it's not true but the society is kind of like or a clockwork orange like it's some well in that case it's different because he was guilty but in the case of the hunt he's innocent and of course the society will believe in in a little girl but it's not the true and it's crazy. It's really, really, um, how do you say, like critic and reflective about society and everything. I think it's with Matt Mickelson. Matt Mickelson? I will see. He was from uh, James Bond and um, ha um, Hannibal, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, Matt uh, Mickelson. I know that he had. At, uh, he was the actor in that uh, music video of Rihanna. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Mickelson is from good movie. Denmark. Um, 
one of the best actors i think one of the best actors he's he's done so much yeah i haven't i haven't seen the hunt i think that's a that's a danish movie yep it's from denmark um but i've seen like his mm. movies like uh of course like casino royale the james bond <laughs> um he's also in that uh nicholas whining reffin film valhalla rising the two they're both from denmark so they they work together also for pu- the pusher or sorry yeah pusher which is another nicholas whining reffin mm-hmm. film with matt mickelson when they're young starting their career in in denmark so that was cool their early years um which was yeah. crazy crazy yeah. trilogy out of that but great. there's just so many films. There's so many films internationally that's like, because oh, it's even harder, I think, than, than selecting Hollywood films because it's like there's so many. Obviously, Hollywood produces a lot of films, but I think internationally, I don't know the numbers, but I think I think there might be more international films, maybe. I think it may only makes sense, right? And yeah. there's just... There's, Oh, it's so hard to pick your three favorites. So I'm really interested to hear what you guys named as your top three. That's really difficult. Wait, thank you, man. Thanks, man. Um, before we uh, get to that, um, the latest international film I've seen, which was three days ago, would be, I believe you're familiar with A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yeah. Love that film. One of my first quarantine films I saw in March. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen it? Uh, no. Uh, no. It's really, I'm not going to go into any spoilers, but the basic premise is that it takes place in the streets of Iran, and there is this a woman who dressed in black and who happens to be a vampire and this oh, vampire okay. she uh, attacks men who are disrespectful to women well, so, which, oh, I remembered yeah was Dane Dane so the one, that's the one that is in black and white that's right ah, great great looks beautiful yeah yes yeah. it's really good I, I was the same as Nick. I thought when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this movie is crazy. Like, I can't believe, I can't believe what this movie's done. Like, it's it's in Iran. Like, it's crazy to make a vampire movie in Iran, the circumstances there. But then I realized, oh, actually, it was filmed in the United States. But they're all from Iran, Iranian-American uh, actor, and um, in Persian. So they're speaking... The language of Iran, so it's, it was like really unique though, because it looks they made it they made it look like totally believable. This is Iran, some some small city in the desert somewhere, with like the way it looks, but it was actually a city in California. But it's it's so good, like it, it just takes you to another time. It makes you think of like the 1960s in Iran, how it would have been, the culture was different in that time. And it really makes you, it doesn't say like, oh, this is the 1960s or this is 2010. Like it doesn't tell you the time. It's up to you to kind of guess, but it's really like, it feels classic. It's like some old Hollywood film, but takes place in a, in a very 
unconventional location for a film with the setting, the characters, the language. And it's like, hmm. oh man, yeah. it's really iconic film. <laughs> it's also very, it's both very romantic and horrifying at the exact same time. Like I've never seen a film quite like this, one that's both uh, one part horror and also one part romance. It's basically, as I describe it today, it's like Twilight, but done right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It did so well with a very small budget too, like just wow, impressive. This is yeah. Great movie or sorry, great music in, in that. Like they have like really interesting, like nice soundtrack. And yeah, like you said, Nick, it's a really small budget. I think it was like I don't know, less than a hundred thousand dollars American. And it made almost, I think, close to a million dollars. So it was really successful. And it shows how you just need a good story, good characters, a nice aesthetic. And just uh, you just need to make great a good actors too. <laughs> great actors. And that's what, makes the, that's what makes films successful at the end of the day. And you don't need a big budget. So that was really, it's very inspiring. And the director, yeah. Anna, Anna Lily Amirpour. If I'm saying her name right. I think that was her debut film. She was like probably in her early 30s. Wow. And she, it was her first film and it was great. Amazing. I need to watch. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. You are in for a treat, Camila. <laughs> Absolutely. I think this is also it sends a really great message to to us all, to us aspiring independent filmmakers. How we can do our, we can do our own thing. We don't need to be tied to some big studio or have a huge amount of money to make our vision happen. Yeah. For example, sorry, I can tell you an interesting movie. I showed it to Dane. Uh, some little. A trailer, or it was in the trailer because even the movie wasn't realized. It's a Colombian film, and it's, it was in Cannes and everything. Uh, but some short video, and they were talking for asking the how you say the well the money the how you say in the technique way. Anyways, the production asking for produce the move produce yeah the movie and it, it, the name is the society of the how you say uh, when you drive in the streets the thing that changed to red yellow and green street lights. Street light, yeah. yeah. The society of the street light. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you will watch uh, the short video because they they just film it for us the budget, uh, and they won. They they gave the money and then when the movie was realized, they went to Cannes and everything. And the story is, is great. It's simple. And the, um, the actors are uh, real characters that are homeless people, people that live in the streets. And but the story is really great and funny, and you know has everything. And the wow. real life of how is kind of part of Colombia. 
You showed me this, I remember. Yeah. It's in Bogota. It's funny, but it's, yeah, it's in Bogota, in Candelaria, in, in, in a beautiful neighborhood that is the classic area of Bogota, but it's where homeless live mostly. And uh, yeah, it's just like how is the work in the streets? And they, for example, some some people are acrobats and they wait until the light is red to get in, in the middle of the street and do the acrobat. And the people in the car give money. So it's, it's a, basically that is kind of like the whole scenario of the movie but Which, it's uh, kind of low budget but you needed money anyways to do it and but yeah successful in, in europe and we definitely saw that the acrobats in colombia you and i walking in the streets <laughs> i remember walking in colombia and the guy had the big fire he was breathing fire and he like was juggling and then all of a sudden <laughs> fire and I felt the heat in my back like oof. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really it was... Those, Yeah, big knives could be up and <laughs> but you know, he is normal and that is the quotidianic life. But for example it was really interesting for the in like the first time he came and all the that for him was everything was strange and and not normal and was great. It's, yeah. it's a great thing to go to another culture. It's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. And that is movies now. That is movies helps a lot uh, to know. Kind of you don't need to go, but you will know a little bit of how is the quotidianic life of the yeah yeah it, it's not maybe the exact same as traveling but it's like it's definitely it because it, your your personal experience will be different so you need to like it'll always be unique your personal what you see personally but yeah movies are definitely it's a nice little snapshot into another culture like you see something something that someone um, decided to tell a story about, and it's so different from what, like, for example, if if someone from another country went to to another country to make a movie, they might see things differently than someone who's from that country, a local person. So it's it's really cool. That's really cool, and there's it just shows how many stories there are. Like there's. There's millions of stories in the world, and it's like, it's it's so inspiring, really. Oh, yes. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Wonderful. Inspiring words from you as always, Dane. <laughs> and um, since we are close to the one-hour mark, the time has come to hear our lists, our top three international films. Let's start with you, Camila, since you're the guest. And I think I love Amelie, and I could say that it's international movie, French. I mm -hmm. uh, love, I love it. Uh, ah, now I forget the name of the, the director. Uh, 
Gaspar Noé. Gaspar Noé. Yeah, Gaspar Noé. And then I will say I really love it, Parasite, but an extra because everybody, I think everyone knows the Parasite movie. I will say Cafe Flore. I love it. Uh, yeah. I love it. Is, yeah, it's a uh, Canadian and. Yeah, it was great. I don't know. I think Xavier Dolan and other directors, I don't know really the name of the director. And it's crazy. Like, most of my favorite movies, I don't know the directors really well. So. I think Happy yeah. is Jean Marc. Jean Marc Vallier. He's from Montreal. He also yeah. did. Um, Dallas Club. Dallas Buyers Club, Wild, yep. Dallas. So, yeah, that's like a Canadian, it's like Canadian French, France and Canada, I think. But most, more Canada, Cafe de Flore, I think. But mm -hmm. what's so cool, like, so amazing, is that Camila, her, her program, they watch, like, so many Canadian films. Like, it puts me to shame. I don't know all the Canadian films, but her class, they're like talking about Xavier Dolan, talking, and I'm like, they're from my country, but at the time I wasn't aware of them. Now I now I know them, but thank you to the students in Colombia for making Canadian films. Mm. Well, like, I appreciate them, and obviously giving love to them, and I I I I needed to see them, and I'm so glad that I was introduced to the French. Canadian cinema from Camila because incredible movies. Mm -hmm. It's nice yeah. to hear. Yeah, I don't know, maybe I love French, the French part. I don't know, Mamelia's French movie from France. I, mm -hmm. I want to learn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Great list. Amazing list. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And you, the. <laughs> me next? Yep, it's your turn, man. So for me, number three, it was so hard. I'm going to name my top... Okay, first, I'm going to name my honorable mention. So I'm going to name all of the ones that didn't make the top three, but were really close. So one second. So I have to talk about Run, Lola, Run, German film. Oh. <laughs> Amazing film. Good yeah, like this 90s gritty, just like, it's so, the editing is so good, the sound is so good, the the cinematography, it's like a perfect film, like it's like, it's almost like a music video, it never gets boring, and it's so, it's so fast, and it's so like, it makes you feel like you're watching a video game, almost, I could talk about Run Lola Run for a long time, but I won't talk about it too much, but it's almost made to my top three. Um, Camille and I, we watched it together last year. And I first saw it in film class in Mount Royal, but wow. I've seen it twice now, and I, it's it's extraordinary. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I highly recommend you guys. If if any of you listening haven't seen Marlon Nola Run, you need to see it. Iconic yeah. movie. Um, Embrace of the Serpent from Colombia, Ciro Guerra. One of the most incredible films I've seen. Like um, it's basically like. It's almost like The Revenant. It's like, it's like so, um, I don't know. It just takes you into this place that not a lot of people have seen. And it just tells a story that 
is so important for the for the community in the Amazon. And it's it's just like it's it's beautiful. It's kind of scary at times. It's funny at times. It's like it's a perfect movie, an A A plus type of movie. Perfect film. Um, Wild Tales from Argentina, which Camila showed me last year in Canada. Um, I think I've mentioned this to you before, Nick. Uh, who? What, what? What would be the name? The Salve Salvajes. Um, what was it? Yes. So good. Uh-huh. It's like three film, or no, it's like four or five films in one film, an anthology film, and it's it's. Yeah, but yeah, the main topic is kind of like the passion feelings, you know. Mm. So it's great. Oh, it's amazing. From Argentina, yeah. I have to mention Parasite. Incredible film. I have to mention Roma, one of the films I've seen. Uh, Mustang, A Bigger Splash, Los Colores de la Montaña from Colombia, uh, Holy Motors, The Foreigner Blows, City of God from Brazil, Incendies, which is Canadian, but it was filmed, it was filmed in the Middle East a little bit, so it's like kind of not yeah. Canadian. <laughs> um, Fallen Angels, Enter the Void. Wow. I have to mention like Wong Kar Wai's movies and oh man, there's yeah. just so many. <laughs> wow. So many. Nice. Sorry guys, I, I have to like talk about all of these others, but you got excellent. My top three. <laughs> um, number three, Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Just amazing. Yes. Uh, it's, it was one of the first films I saw that was in film class in junior high, maybe grade seven or grade eight. And um, one of my first films, I think, introduction to Del Toro, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, oh my goodness. But it wasn't until I watched it again last year with Camila, actually, around this time, August last And um, it, it made me fall in love with it so hard. Like, I was like, this movie is so beautiful. It tells a story about just finding peace and like some inspiration in a time of crisis and war and kind of just this terrible circumstance. And really talks about this, your childhood curiosity and your dreams that you know people people need to survive such horrible things, which is so relatable in 2020, right? It's such an awful year for everyone around the world. So really really inspiring movie and one that will be remembered forever i think it'll be iconic in the world of cinema forever oh hell yes um (laughs) number two bicycle thieves from italy from i'm trying to remember the year it's from i think it's from like 19 um probably the 1950s i think or no 1948 so it's kind of from that time of like the neo-realistic uh, Italian films that really focused on like realism. So it was really set in like personal situations with family, relationships, poverty, and it took place like after World War II, and it was also filmed after World War II. And so it's the Bicycle Thief, but it has an alternate name, the Bicycle Thieves. Um, in the United States, it's the bicycle, but in Italian, the bicycle. Mm-hmm. But um, it's so it's one of the most emotional films I've ever seen. 
about a father trying to mm-hmm. recover a bike that was stolen from him that he relied on to work in his job and support his family. And after his bike is stolen in the streets, he basically, his life is falling apart and he needs to do something to, to recover the bike and find the, the thieves. And he walks around, uh, I think it's set in uh, Rome, and is basically in search of his bike with his son who sees the world kind of in a different way from his father and he just he's really affected by the emotional stress from his father and it's just it's a classic film it's inspired a lot of other films and it's it'll make you cry i think it's beautiful and i think i was sorry i forgot to say i one It's Italian. It's uh, the movie is Malena. I love it. I show it today and he, well, it's like, it's in the times of the war uh, in Italy, in Italy, about the fascism and everything that was happening in those films. And the main character is Monica uh, Bellucci. And it's kind of how society perceived a beautiful woman that she was alone and was... Uh, but the narration, the main narration, is from the view of a little kid, 11 years old. He, he, he has a crush on her, and, but it's, it's beautiful movies, really kind of critic about society, about um, how women sometimes are perceived and watched and, you know, so it's great, it's a great movie. Absolutely. That was that was really, really cool movie. And similar, like there's some similar themes there. You can see like maybe Bicycle Thieves. I think it influenced a lot of other films in Italy, I think, because yeah, it really, really yeah. showed like life in, in Rome and it really showed the, the just it didn't it didn't try to make it like all like 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 a typical Hollywood movie. It's like super realistic and it really focuses on like the hardships, the problems, the the pain and everything of people. It doesn't try to romanticize it too much. And bicycle thieves, not at all. It really shows the true, the true life at that time. So, great film. Um, and number one, Amelie. I have to take. I have to go to Amelie. Uh, just uh, I don't know. What can I say about Amelie? Like I've I've been in love with it since I was young. I remember it was one of the first. It was probably one of the first international films I ever saw. My parents had Amelie the cover in my basement in my old house when I grew up in my old house, and it was always I always was interested by it, like her her face, um, Audrey Tattoo or Tattoo. Mm. I, I hope I'm saying her name okay. Um, her face is like the she has the makeup, the black hair, the red lips, and it's like the green background, the yellow text, and it's just like she has this like really intriguing expression on her face. Like it's just like I connected to it as a as a child. Like this this character, this woman seems so like enchanting, like very sweet and someone full of life and like 
I didn't really know what the movie would be about, but then I saw it actually when I was young because I think my parents were watching it, and I was just like, "Whoa, this movie is so beautiful! It's like this really beautiful kind of green, yellow tinted cinematography of Paris, and it just focuses on like such interesting things, right? Like just childhood memories, um, just like beautiful day-to-day." things that you might see or you might remember from your life if you were to make a movie about your your childhood and just unconventional things but it just it's so personal it feels like a very personal film for the director and um her act her performance audrey is like wow it's iconic an iconic character and shows how Basically, she's this character that just goes out of her way to just make people's lives better. Like she does little, little things to make other people's lives better, and that's what she lives for—is just to make other people happy and to like solve problems, maybe help people come together and meet each other, have a relationship, or solve the issues of people. And um, she's just like one of the most lovable characters in the film like just the perfect character that you like feel inspired by like wow this is like uh i don't know how to explain her but uh classic film perfect movie (laughs) (laughs) really great this both of you like it's it's not just the films themselves but you both you and camilla like you i can really feel your your passion as you're describing each of these films like you really love them you get these feelings of nostalgia from them yeah they're wonderful movies (laughs) many i have to see by the way thanks thank you guys also for the recommendations as well you're welcome now yours nico you're welcome nick thank you thank you so yours my my third would have is number three for me is Parasite from South Korea by Bong Joon-gu. Right. One of the first films I saw in quarantine, by the way, and like really, I when I found out it won Best Picture, the first foreign film to win Best Picture, I knew I had to see this one. I watched it with my mom, and we were blown away by it. Like the the. I don't even know where to begin. Like the the acting, the cinematography, and what we really what really sold us for me and my mom this film would be the the relevant themes. Like at its core, Parasite is a film that is a social commentary on class discrimination, like how the rich feed on the poor and how the poor are basically suffering because of the high class. Like it really shows the like the, the greed too. Also. It's, and what I really enjoy, what I really like about this film is that how it portrays both sides, neither as good nor bad. Like it shows both classes, the, the rich class and the poor class in a neutral way. There are no good guys or bad guys. Mm-hmm. It's more a film about the haves and the have nots to me. That's how I basically describe this whole experience. It's very true. Yeah. And it really sold me over for what's next for Bong Joon-ho. Um, do you guys know if he uh, made other films he made aside from uh, Parasite? The other one I know of is Snowpiercer. Uh, any other? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he also did what was it? Um... Oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> My father in Colombia. Right? Wow. With Camila. <laughs> we watched it in your end. Two years ago. Uh, yeah. I think it's the best movie if you want to make a change in become vegan or vegetarian. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's a great movie. Yeah. And Jake Gyllenhaal, Tilda Swinnington, they are there. And Don, uh, how you, I don't know the name, but he's really activism mm. in, in the big and yeah, not sure exactly, but I know who you're talking about, I think. I got my pen stuck in my hair. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> but uh, all the, the characters are vegan in the real In some ways, like, it's a big funnel uh, in the future. They just to develop the creating a big animal animal that is like a big is huge and some girl little girl in Asia uh, she uh, keeps this animal and she grows uh, with with him and now the thing is that he has to get a gift the animal to the people that get and give her this experiment that is a big uh, for that is the time that need to kill the animal meat production and Swinnington is the boss of this uh, business and it's, it's really beautiful you need to watch this like Really, we make you cry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and thank no more. I won't eat pork or ham or sausages anymore. <laughs> yeah, basically. And he's a uh, young wood. Uh, sorry, the name. I don't know how to say the name of the director, but he's vegan. Bong Jung. Yeah. Bon He's vegan too. Very interesting. Wow. It's for what comes next. Yeah. He has really great movies. Another movie. Um, everything is kind of critic society. And I, I don't remember the title right now. But it's about the classes, the different um, social uh, class and is that everyone goes in a train. It's kind of like all his movies are really symbolic and semiotic, like you need to kind of interpret this in a way that it's not like, yes, it's a movie, but it's more deeper than just that. Mm -hmm. And also, 
and more on Parasite as well. Uh, after giving the film a bit of a second viewing, I finally understood, I kind of found an understanding with the meaning of the title Parasite. Like, in this case, I believe the Parasite would have to be both the, it's referring to the, the higher social class because it shows how they're, they're feeding off the, the lower social class, kind of like, like a parasite basically feeding off them until they have nothing left to survive. Like, really, this film, I think, is uh, a har the harsh reality of the social discrimination. Like, it's just mm -hmm. so well. It's both tragic yeah. yet and beautiful at the same time. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No worries, no worries. It, it kind of flip, it flips what you're expecting, right? Because you see the, the name is Parasite. And then in the movie, I don't want to spoil too much, but obviously there's the whole part of, like, the family... The, that's living under the house of the rich family and it kind of makes you think oh maybe they're saying that's they're the parasite but then it's like it's actually no it's actually oh it's the opposite like or it could be either interpretation if you're like i guess it, it doesn't say like clearly what the opinion is maybe of the director but it it, it, it kind of hints at that right like okay actually it's it's like the 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 rich society is kind of responsible for what's happening to the poor people it's like their inter their relationship like i don't know it really just shows it, it flips your whole perspective on the situation really oh yes very much yeah. very much agree yeah. I mean, that's why I also appreciate what you just said. Like, it shows the perspective of both sides, but from a neutral view. Like, the director is inside mm -hmm. it's the poor or the rich. It's just just what it is. It's all up to us to decide who is in the right and who's in the wrong. Mm -hmm. And I find that really well done. Yeah. yeah. It breaks a lot of, like, just, it breaks so many barriers. It's like, it just tells a story that's so honest. It's like, okay, I'm not going to, like, the director wasn't going to like yeah yeah defend one side or the other mm -hmm. there's no bias no bias at all and another thing i i would say is that is really the photography goes really well with the narration like it's part because the yellow light and the white uh blue like the yellow is usually for the poor people, the poor uh, neighborhood, and like a lot of things. Uh, you know, when is the when they put the camera into the rich family, is another light, really blue, really light, um, white, and open space, and really. Not a lot of things into the place, no? And yeah, another thing I read was that the director, he, he when he was in the school, uh, for that scene of the fish, that he never believed that somebody would be allergic to the skin of the fish. Some bird did that to another so friend did that joke to another pair and they took the skin of the fish and put it in somebody that was allergic and got the reaction and I remember that and put it into the movie. Oh yeah. 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 It's really unique. Yeah. Yeah. He, he takes his I think that there are three really... Hmm.
And uh, so, yeah, and moving on to my number two favorite international film is not one of the first also I've seen in quarantine. I give this one to Roma from Mexico by Alfonso Cuarón. Like, wow. First of all, the cinematography, like this film, it's beautifully shot. Like every shot of the film, even from the tiniest angle or object, it can be basically be put in a painting. It's like watching a painting, basically. Every yeah, scene. beautiful. And even even black and white, like I I, I don't know, would it be that it's beautiful in um, color? You think? I think maybe, but the black and white is really, it's, it adds mm. a whole feeling. It's like kind of like the embrace of the serpent, like when yeah. you think about, this is always in black and white too. Yeah. But I think, no, it's, it's like, I believe, I believe that it was a great decision to put it in black and white. Definitely, yeah. it's more dramatic and you can appreciate more other things that in color you get kind of distracted. Oh, yeah, I think like, so. For example, in the embrace of the serpent, it's in black and white film and was filming Amazonas in the jungle. And for sure, it would be beautiful in color if that movie was realized. But I think all the strat definitely the yeah. narrate the narration. Yeah. Yeah, I think the black and white makes you focus more on the characters and what they're thinking and saying. And it also kinda of makes you it makes it almost feel like it's a like a book, like it's like a story. It's not so much about the visuals as well the visuals are important, but it's not so much about trying to make it look, you know, it, like it's not supposed to catch your attention but you're supposed to be like drawn into the story and like really connect connect to the the characters in the story so that's that's exactly what yeah. Roma and embrace the serpent yeah Roma is wonderful more about character than aesthetic I'd say uh, like it's like wow it really it really feels like you're walking into another world when you when you're watching Roma like I really felt like I was in the film not just watching it so, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it's not just about the location too but also in terms of the character work because it's basically a, a story about an, ev an everyday person which could be well one of us basically like working coming about a maid just an ordinary maid from a middle class family trying to you know focus more on her life like find, finding love find, or finding her family I, I found that really like really just heartwarming that, that scene at the towards the end at the beach where her the, the whole family comforts her and let them know let her know that they love her just oh my god the feels the feels yeah. so and it shows how she's a hero like it's like like it focuses on the everyday hero it, typically the hero of movies Hollywood movies it'll be the white man the he's the he's the perfect it's like it's it's usually focused that way right so it's like to break the idea of what a hero is and it actually no a hero is like the, the, the people in your life your family or maybe like the, the people who take care of you like like I don't know it could be it, yeah it could be anyone with like these roles that aren't like these glamorous um like high status 
job but they're the everyday people that are doing the things that are heroic and like i don't want to spoil the ending but she's she's the hero of the story and kind of goes unnoticed right even in the movie the set this the characters kind of look past what she's done and don't really appreciate what she's done in the end really and it makes you think of all the people in everyday life like it could be the people on who clean buildings for us at night and make sure the the coronavirus doesn't make us sick or in the buses, cleaning the streets, like or people in hospitals, people that do so many jobs that kind of aren't properly appreciated, but they're the heroes of our society that we don't look at right now. Especially like this story I heard about a few months back, there was this taxi driver who he risked everything just to bring all these sick people down to the hospital, like an everyday man. Like, and you, I believe you're all familiar with the saying, not all heroes have to wear capes and masks. Like, this is probably a great example of this. That's why I really find this film so relatable. The fact that the smallest person can make a big difference in the world. Just wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing movie. Really, really good movie. And it shows so many important things in Mexico at the time, the revolution, the mm. sort of uh, cultural thing. The, it's just like really wow. And I've heard just, I think from reviewers, people that have said like, yeah, this, this movie basically is like the honest, perfect representation of like the culture in that time, the 1970s in Mexico. And yeah, it's, you learn a lot from it. Very true. In fact, now that you mention it, this film was actually semi-autobiography by Alfonso Cuaron, the director. Like, it's basically highlighting his childhood. His, uh, it's like just like the family, his father uh, left him as a very at a very young age, and he had his housemaid to look after him and watch him grow up in the streets of Mexico. So that's where he got the idea from. It's like. Uh, kind of a tribute to the, I think he said like the tribute, a tribute to the women who raised him basically. Mm, like right. his, his mom and then also the the, the maid of the house. He, he said like she did just as much to raise him as like his own mom. And it was like the show that this person is like a hero to him and like a lot of kids around the world, right? So it's amazing. Beautiful movie. Also a powerful message. I'm sorry, I'm you. You didn't see yeah. it yet? No. You'll have to. So it's great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have to watch it. Yeah. But I think I know kind of how it's just like from guys what you say. I kind of how what was about the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Really. Very powerful messages about about love, growing up, and also about finding your family, your family of choice too. Just wow, it's so heartwarming, so emotionally powerful. Great. And my number one, which is a film that's also on your list, Dane, would have to be Pan's Labyrinth in Spain by Guillermo del Toro. Nice. Yeah. 
that was actually one of the I watched first watched the film in my in my film class back in high school. It was all a Spanish film class, by the way, and that was my favorite of all of the bunch, by the way. Like it's this film is so like heartwarming and dark at the same time. It's like a fairy tale. Well, it is a dark fairy tale. Like Alice in Wonderland meets John Rambo, kind of. That's what I described. <laughs> And also, like you mentioned, Dane, I think that this film is really relevant to watch these times. At its core, I find the film about it's about escaping your your cruel and harsh reality, and by trying to find a way to distract yourself from that, to find light in the dark, basically. And also, there it also another way, another theme I find in this film is that it also sends the message, because this film is filled with all kinds of you know creatures and monsters, but at its core, the film also says that sometimes humans are the real monsters, basically, by you know the captain, the ca captain Vidal. The, the... Basically, I think. Uh, well, Guillermo Toro said that in an interview, what you said that monsters are not usually what you think are monsters, are usually humans sometimes, and and you can see that that quote really clearly in all of his water. Mm -hmm. Fans love it. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch the Crimson. And yeah, all all his movies. And he has really interesting biography. Like he, he usually he loved um, what he had in his mind a lot monsters when he was a kid. He kind of created that, but those monsters were kind of his his friends, imaginary friends, he always used a uh, sketch and it was great, like, he kept that fantasy to the work, the work he's doing into his movies, so it's great. He played what his imagination is and I think I admire him a lot. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> and also, yeah, like really, really powerful theme as well. And probably the scene I think many of us remember from that film, from Band Labyrinth, I think would have to be the pale man, you know, the where the monster that is at the end of the table. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right, like that thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's so intense. Crazy. Yeah, I thought when I first saw it, I first heard of Pan's Labyrinth, I thought, you know, it was for, it was for kids, but then, oh, I was so wrong. It's so dark. Mm -hmm. Well done. And, yeah. Yes. Very. Perfect movie. Yes. Perfect movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very true. And also, like yours, my, my introduction to Guillermo del Toro, too, mm. about, about innocence, basically, how innocence can really change the world, how just one, one act of kindness can really make all the difference in the world. It's heartwarming, it's sad, and it's scary all at once. Perfect combination for this one. 
Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And also, it's one of my influences, one of the things that really inspired me to start my future career in the film industry, like with all the opportunity by all these great directors from these backgrounds and all. And after watching it, I gotta say, that's when I say to myself, I'm ready for this. I'm so ready for this. <laughs> that's so good to hear. Yeah. I'm excited for the future for all of us. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and looks like that's all the time we have left for this episode thank you for coming here Camila thank you for inviting me all the time you want thanks we look forward to seeing you again it's really and really it's really and also good job guys on your like I really am inspired by all your 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 travels your time together it really really warms my heart so uh, hopefully again soon hopefully soon and we will go to Argentina with you Nick the three of us will go to Argentina together it'll be 2021 I'd love that to happen yeah thanks that'll be an amazing experience I wish you guys all the best. You too. See you guys. Thank you. See you. Love you both. Bye bye.